afternoon, this is your captain, Genie, from Aladdin on Broadway. I'm pleased to welcome you aboard your magic carpet with direct services to Agrabah. On your left, you'll find a dazzling love story. To your right, show-stopping, singing and dancing. And just ahead, a whole new world ready for you to explore as we celebrate a decade of Broadway magic. Sit back, relax, and enjoy our shining, shimmering spectacle. Get tickets today at AladdinTheMusical.com. Hello and welcome to Bethany A Song Device and Fire Podcast. I am Sir Matt the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Jimmy of House Nuts. And today we have gone to the furthest depths into the abyss. The, the final frontier of our iceberg. Well, this is part three. And again, we may come back at some point and do even deeper, darker, just overall House of the Dragon, Fire and Blood theories and you know what we may just keep this going who knows where and when this will stop but jimmy one of the things i was looking at was we were breaking down this tier for iceberg the final part some of these you know i kind of thought hey we're gonna get into some crazy territory stuff doesn't make sense i don't know some of these things i'm like oh no actually makes some sense guys i think uh... i think i've i were so far down i've lost the air pressure in my head my tin foil i'm like james cameron down there right my deep diving you know thing i've got a we've got a suit made of tin foil and i'm just down there and i'm like i'm see i'm seeing it we, we've lost him folks we, we've officially lost sir matt he is too far gone the rabbit hole grows darker and darker i mean i will say this i think that the one of the ones that i will be covering today i thought there was an interesting part of it that i was like oh i hadn't actually thought of that but these are some of the most outlandish theories, not just for House of the Dragon, but just in general. Like we're talking t- uh, Tyrion being a time traveling fetus levels of ridiculous. Um, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> where I'll end up. Maybe you could convince me by the end, but this is wild. And we, we are going to be having uh, there are some House of the Dragon future season spoilers um, as well as uh, a little bit of Dunkin' Egg spoilers today, too. Mm-hmm. So and, just yeah, keep that and... in mind if you're listening and you're trying to go in completely blind to the future seasons of House of the Dragon. There might be some talk of some stuff that could spoil you. Yeah, Fire and Blood spoilers as well. So, okay, so here we go. And um, just a recap, right? Because I know this is going to be going out around New Year's Day. And there's always a new wave of listeners coming to the podcast. I track the stats. I know how it works. So to all of the new people checking us out for the first time, hello and welcome. Jimmy and I have been doing this iceberg theory breakdown, taking a look at some of the craziest, wildest theories from House of the Dragon season one. So just to sort of give you guys a refresher as to what some of the other tiers were. So in, you know, in tier one, we were looking at stuff like, hey, Harwin Strong is the father of Rhaenyra's kids. Maybe you only watch the show and you're like, well, of course, that's all they ever talked about in the books. That's not really confirmed. So that's kind of that tier one iceberg where it's like, well, that makes a lot of sense. But you know what? Hey, in the books, that was never actually confirmed. Still above water in tier one. Tier one, we're still within the realm of, I would say, possibilities. (laughs) Absolutely. So tier two, we got a little bit darker, right? Like Kristen Cole might be the father of Jaceris Valerian. Kristen Cole and Rhaenyra hook up. She doesn't drink that moon tea. So who knows? Just uh, Jace, right? He's, his hair is a little different than his brother. 
What do you think okay. the effectiveness of Westerosi Plan B is? Well, probably pretty effective. You think? Yeah, probably. There's a lot of bastards out there. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't think they drank it. <laughs> you don't think? <laughs> it's probably really expensive. Probably tastes terrible. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Done out. Well, tier three. Hey, let's let's go. What is we'll uh, you know, maybe we'll that's something we could look into someday. So tier three, right? We got into this is where okay, we're like a little bit deeper underwater, right? We looked at stuff like Danny may not have burned King's Landing, right? <laughs> Why? Because hey, Amond and Luke are up there in the dragons, they can't control him. What's to say, Danny? You know, in the show, it was just Drogon. Drogon no. doing his own thing. I posted that on TikTok and everyone tore us apart. They all thought we were crazy, even though I was like, hey, we, you know, we're reading this. So uh, here we go. So today is tier four. We're in the darkest tier. Okay. These are the wildest theories uh, going around on the internet for House of the Dragon. So I'm going to start here. And this one I almost thought should have been, this is the one I sort of thought might be in my mind was the tier five. But then I don't know, Jimmy. The more I started researching and reading and typing this out, oh, this might make some sense. Oh, okay. My. But we'll let you guys decide. Alicent becomes Melisandre. The Dance of the Dragons is one of the most devastating wars in Westeros history. And many of the key players either die in battle or through execution. However, Alicent Hightower is one of the key figures who actually survives the war. But her end is a little anticlimactic. In the book, she just wastes away in a tower, locking herself in her room as she mourns over all of her fallen family members. This could be one area that the show changes. Her death in general could be far more dramatic. Maybe she dies in execution or by a dragon. Who knows? But it's probably one area the show is actually going to differ then. However, if they really wanted to connect to the two shows, one way could be by making Alicent become Melisandre. Fans have been speculating about this online through Reddit forums and in Twitter. And in some ways, I think it makes some sense. No one would have predicted that no one would have predicted the route that they are going with Aegon's prophecy before seeing House of the Dragon or Alicent's personality in general. In the books, she comes across as far more devious and evil. Here, she seems a little more innocent and even naive. But she may become obsessed with the Song of Ice and Fire, and she could perhaps fake her death and continue trying to fulfill this prophecy by any means necessary. You've lost your mind. You've lost your mind. And, and, you know, I thought I knew you. I thought I knew you. I thought we were on the same page. I mean, come on. This is Hold ridiculous. on a second. Does it make more sense? Because the tier above was perhaps Masaria becomes Melisandre or Quave. I think we may need to flip them around because I think this one, I think to be, I think this one. You know what I do like about this theory is that it is cashing in on Allison being so pious in season right. one. Uh, and then feeling like maybe her prayers were not answered by the old gods, and then she becomes faithful to uh, Relor. And maybe in a future season, of, and, and again, I'm just kind of playing along here, but like, let's say maybe in a future season, a red priest or priestess shows up and starts right. to work on her 
And as she's seeing, you know, her family die all around her, maybe she has a change of heart and she sees that the Lord of light is the true way. And then she hears about Azura high and you know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe. folks, maybe. maybe Alice, maybe Allison is Lightbringer. Okay. <laughs> did, did, or did, did she stabbed Rhaenyra or she cut Rhaenyra <laughs> with, with the dagger that contains the prophecy. Okay. Oh my God. <laughs> it's ludicrous. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, but I do, the idea, I like but the, I, the idea of her being obsessed with the prophecy is something that in my, I one never thought they were going to go that route in a show ever. Mm. I mean, we never assumed that. And then it's, she hears it and it's become this huge part of, yeah. Of, you know, uh, of Westeros history now. Yeah, it is. And and it's it's also somewhere, you know, this would obviously be a departure from the books, but it is one that they could do and it still makes sense in the show canon. Um, you know, I think people will have a problem with it. <laughs> but it is possible. I think that it is right. maybe not likely, but the show canon this could work. Obviously for the books this is off the table. Um but you're right. Her ending in the books is, while very melancholy, is very anticlimactic. And it is, I don't see a way forward with the future seasons of her fading to the background. Like, I just don't see that happening with Olivia Cook. And it, it she, there's too much investment from the audience at this point. Right. right. Yeah. So. I mean, essentially, you know, if you begin to look at towards the end of the series and you're, and you start thinking about, well, what would the final season, what would the final episode of house of the dragon be? Right. I mean, you mm -hmm. think probably it's going to be hour of the wolf. It's going to include a coronation of egg on the third. So what's Allison do? She's just sitting in a tower all by herself. And that's gee willikers. Right. Like that's like, that's, that's it. I mean, it, it I just don't know. You'd have to zoom ahead for her to yeah. die. So unless it's just her sitting there all alone, right? Which, which, I mean, I do think like in the books that is like actually really like traumatic, right? Like I think that, that it's right. a terrible reality to be locked away in a tower. It does kind of call back, uh, you know, it's a little bit to Rhaenyra talking about how she didn't want to be someone that's locked away in a tower giving birth to children. Right. Like that, you know, that was a really important line in season one because that's actually exactly what happens to Rhea Nera in her last episode. She is locked away in a tower while, you know, uh, Damon's basically running her, um, her council and she's giving birth. So, it, like, I think there's a lot of weight to that statement. So, it could play into the idea that Allison just ends up rotting away in a tower. But, uh, I don't know if people would love that ending. So, I think if anything, we could take from this theory if we, if we want to be, uh, you know, little less crazy would definitely be the fact that I think there's going to be a change to her arc. Um, definitely. But I do like, I do like the idea of this theory, uh, mainly because it could work with, uh, how old Bill right. has talked about to be in the show. Right. Uh, right. and it does cash in on again on the piety of Allison. Right. So more likely scenario of the two theories that we have, placed into this iceberg again these are not we did not sit sit here and say these are what we believe these are like things that were yes. trending on reddit and twitter that we pulled to sort of some of these are from in here 
and Collider, yeah. like major media outlets have put this stuff <laughs> pen to page. So we didn't just like more likely that Melisandre is Allison or more likely that this we're after a YouTube poll. More likely that Melisandre would be Allison or or Masaria. I think Masaria's character probably needs more. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like she in, in her background is mysterious and how does she have this much influence? Um, I don't think either are likely, but more likely. It might, <laughs> but like, I don't know, man. Like, Allison doesn't look anything like Melisandre either, though. I guess right. it was Masaria, though. So, I, don't I see. I think I'm flipped now. <laughs> I, th I think it's more, it's just because we've yet to have anything that specifically ties <laughs> Masaria. It's like, so at least with Allison, oh at least God. with Allison, you have there's two parts where it's, to me, it's like, okay, again, I'm not saying this is. This is the case, but I see I have two clear indicators that sort of make more sense to me than Masaria. One is the the potential for it, a real obsession of the Song of Ice and Fire. Yes. She learns the secret. She believes it's going to be true and she'll do, go by it, whatever means necessary Two, the end of her life in the books and most likely in the show. There's really nothing for her to do. Mm -hmm. So this gives her like a path forward so that's where i'm like okay again i don't think either are true but if i had to sort of pick one masaria's is just that she's foreign but how do you and mysterious <laughs> i mean I, I mean it's just like okay well i guess you know i mean <laughs> it's like why not it's a why not whereas right. like like allison has, has, a, has a legitimate tie to potentially the lord of light and defeating the white walkers and the evil yes. and Yes. Okay. So here's my here's a question. Let's just pretend that Allison is Melisandre, okay. or because we should say not we shouldn't say is becomes Melisandre as it's stated in the iceberg. Um, how do you do that on screen? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I don't know that. I don't know how you would. You leave it open ended, and her exit from the show is like sailing across the narrow sea to like you with a priestess to. who has come, and then like we <clears> we just assume like. Whoa, is that Melisandre? Is that her? You know, like right. I don't know. The problem is that the the actress who plays Melisandre has specific what's a Van How I forget her first name. Uh, Catherine something. something. Like Van something or other. Yeah, she uh she specifically said she wants to be in House of the Dragon. I mean, yeah, she probably wants that sweet paycheck. Uh Karis Van Hooten. Van Hooten, yeah. Hutton. Uh yeah, I mean, she actually would make sense. It really actually makes more sense that she would meet Allison. It's just that also she specifically has held like the dagger that Arya uses to kill the Night King. And Melisandre is the one who sort of gives Arya the final prep top to go kill the Night King with the dagger that Allison has used. I mean, and it's specifically tied to the Song of Ice and Fire. Listen, I'm not saying it's impossible. <laughs> Man, people would be so I mad. Oh, <laughs> it, would, it would melt the think, internet. If you think people are upset about Daenerys at season eight, people would lose their minds in this. <laughs> you know what? I'm all for it. It sounds great. Chaos. Let's right. go. It also makes more sense that old Melisandre that we see without her, mm -hmm. you know, glamour would yeah. be Allison than without Masaria. Yeah. For sure. Ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely. All of the, all of the ones we have today are ridiculous. So I don't know. The next one I have is pretty legit too, but we'll go back and forth. So, uh,
I mean, you may have to, you may have to do, cause our next two sort of go hand in hand. So you may have to do your, your final one. Okay. I will do what I think is the most is ridiculous. The- I think this is the most ridiculous <laughs> thing. Period. Period. I guess even with, no matter what way we stack them, it's going to be back to back, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should save that one. Well, okay. Well, maybe I'll just do. Okay, maybe I'll maybe I'll just go next, and then you can then yeah, and then we can do it, and then we'll yeah. So I'll just I'll go next, and then we can. Okay, cool. Makes sense. Okay, We're, we'll do it. Actually, it actually it gets deep. It gets deeper. Yeah, it, it the does. way it goes, it actually gets deeper. Okay, okay. Damon is Blood Raven in Game of Thrones. In Game of Thrones, we see Bran Stark influenced through dreams of the three-eyed raven, a character who has the ability to see into past events through the power of weirwood trees. We really get no explanation to his backstory or how he came to obtain this ability. In the books, the character is known as the three-eyed crow and is Brendan Rivers, a Targaryen bastard of King Aegon IV, also known as Blood Raven. Bloodraven is a practicer of the dark arts, serves as Hand of the King, and has a vast spy network before he's sent to the Wall for committing war crime. He quickly becomes Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, but disappears mysteriously for decades until we see him in the main book series. This is an area where the show could make a rather large change and perhaps make this character Daemon Targaryen. While accounts of the end of the dance of the dragons makes it seem as if Damon dies in battle with Aemond in a dragon versus dragon combat above the God's eye. Damon's body is never found leading to speculation that he somehow survives the battle given the proximity to the God's eye itself and speculation and to what is actually on the Island, the connection to weirwoods and possibly children of the forest. It's possible in the show, Damon, not blood Raven could be taken by the children of the forest to serve as the three eyed Raven. All right, listen, I, I mocked you and I said that you, we <laughs> lost you. I might buy this one. I think I, I, I could, it would be a very, I, I could see it. Like the old, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It really, it, well, yes. So first, first of all, I guess we need to talk. There's a, there's so many things we need to break down in this. <laughs> One, good move or bad move in Game of Thrones of not explaining further who the Three Eyed Raven was. Well, bad in the sense that uh, they should have done it, <laughs> but right? Okay, in the fact that like maybe this ties in later. This is also something they could inspect in like Dunk the Dunkin' Egg show if they do that. Like that's exactly where they could tie it in. Like I think that's a lot more logical than this theory, but leaving it ambiguous definitely leaves it open for the show canon, which that's all we're talking about, folks. The show canon, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like all these, but the show could now use that if they wanted to possibly they could and it would it would connect them yeah it's what's interesting is that you know in the show the three-eyed raven well for starters it's one of those other things where you see the three-eyed raven once right and he it's a totally different actor and stuff like that then they cut back to him and he's got a shaved head i don't know how that works but you know whatever uh and they didn't really explain it further in the books it's the character is so much more important so much bigger and the fact that it's blood raven 
is such a big deal. And again, we probably have a lot of new listeners today. Um, and you know, just in general, if, if you're somebody who I know we have a lot of list, a lot of our listeners in general are show watchers only. So you're like, I don't even know who this character is, right? I mean, you know who the thread Raven is, but you're unfamiliar with say blood Raven, very important <laughs> character. I mean, very, very, very important. And they didn't touch on they didn't touch on that in the show, which I guess is sort of fine because you maybe you don't have the time, or maybe you don't want to yet introduce introduce yet another Targaryen, right? And of course, even the fact that Blood Raven gets to that cave and becomes this character in its own right in the books is still yet to be explained and very significant. I do believe in Winds of Winter we will get some more details of that event because it's very important. And has a lot of implications for brand going forward. But here, if you did want to make it Damon, there's a lot of reasoning for it. And also, Damon's death in the books is also incredibly mysterious. He, when he and Aemon have the big battle over the God's Eye, dragon versus dragon combat, we know that Damon either jumps from his dragon or something, stabs Aemon through the non-eye. Uh, and Eamon's body is recovered years later. Damon's body is never found. So we don't know exactly what happens to him. Some people believe he swims over to shore, but it's also by the God's Eye, a very mysterious island, which could in all honesty have like every all of the big secrets of A Song of, a Vi of Ice and Fire <laughs> could take place on this island that's full of weirwood trees and perhaps children of the forest. And if Damon were to say, end up over there, who knows? Yeah. I also think the possibility wrote one last thing. I also think the possibility that even in the books, if Damon does survive, he could serve as a three eyed crow or Raven or, you know, three eyed crow in the books before blood Raven. Cause we don't even know who was there before blood Raven. Was there another person? Like what's going on in that cave? Shit. Shit. Okay. Okay. I like, where, I like where you're going with this. Yeah, you're right. We, we don't know what comes before bread and rivers. Uh, was there a blood Raven? Like, or was there the three eye crow before Britain Rivers? That's a good question to ask, probably, right? Um, and hopefully we we get those kind of answers in the books. I mean, I, I do think that this is a cool theory in the sense that I don't believe that Damon, uh, if the body's not found in, in fantasy, folks, it means they're alive. Every Absolutely. time. Every time. And a lot of people have speculated that Damon just runs away with nettles. Some people, I've seen some theories say that they think Masaria will end up being nettles, like a stand-in for nettles. Uh, I've seen some other like uh, theories as well, but I can't remember exactly who the person was. Um, but regardless, I mean, I do think that we're going to get the answers of what happens to Damon's body at the end of House of the Dragon. And while we're still asking what that will be, this theory is in play. Yeah, I actually think it's more likely that Damon dies in the show, but lives in the books. You think? Yeah, it's just his character. It's just it's see, it's this is where I could go either way. That's another thing. Like, that's another theory. We don't even know yet. We'll have to come back for another iceberg, you know, when as we, <laughs> we get maybe season two, because once we have some more information, it's just Damon's character is so strong and powerful and he's making these decisions. It's just mm -hmm. it's one of these things that it's just like it would be so sort of so fitting to really kill him yeah. um, in this battle. But if you do go this route, then it has potentially huge implications to tie into Game of Thrones and yeah. potentially going further. 
Yeah, definitely. I because mean, Dame, look, you know, it's one of these other questions. When Damon chokes Rhaenyra, is he? He's he's part of him is very upset that, um, you know, that Viserys told her this thing, this secret, this this sort of like air. Like that's really what it, it was more about. Like, hold on, he actually did choose you, sort of as an heir over me. He told you the secret. He's my brother. But I wonder if Damon will begin to like question her at some point. Like, what is the significance of this? And I could see Damon thinking of himself as this like true savior of Westeros. Yeah, I could see that. I also can see the idea of him wanting to get away from it all. Uh, and the fact that like one of the things that's been most important to Damon throughout this whole process in the show is that he wants to return the Targaryens to like their proper place as, you know, being superior. And he really does care about the Targaryen name and the family and at least what it represents. And as he's seeing the dance happen and he's watching everything come crashing down and everyone he knows dying, like, does he just give up on that at some point and want to go away? Um, maybe. It's going to take a lot of character development to get him to that point from what we've seen in season one, but we do have a lot of time. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, this is a fun one. This is a really fun theory. It is, it is outlandish, but like I said, it's still in play. See, I see. I, it's, it's almost da Damon in a way is almost like Stannis where Stannis decides I'm going to go take on the others. Right, that's the whole reason he goes north of the wall. Right, all right, we'll go take him on. We'll we'll go defeat this this army. Melisandre is telling me to defeat because then it will show Westeros that I am the true king. Hmm. I can see that. I can see Damon doing the same thing. I see. Yeah, yeah, and start going down and start doubting that path. Yeah, it absolutely could happen. And maybe it's King's blood. Damon has King's blood. Well, which maybe that's what the children of the forest need, and that could tie him in and. Maybe it's, that's really the whole deal, and it's 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 maybe not so much green seers. And well, it's much more. You're you're bucking up against the next theory, my friend. I know. Well, let's dive into that one. Right? Let's do now it. We're gonna, now we're now we're going to dive a different path. We're going to dive a different path, but with the same player, and that is Damon. Damon Targaryen becomes the Night King. Damon Targaryen is a very distinct looking individual. There's no doubt about that. And fans have went wild for the portrayal of Damon by Matt Smith in the show and looked under every nook and cranny for a way to connect him with the wider Game of Thrones universe. They have really outdone themselves, however, because there is now speculation and theories claiming Damon is the White Walker King we see in a Game of Thrones television show. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is insane and borderline dumb, but let's just think about it for just one second. The White Walker King has long flowing white golden locks, just like Damon, and they both sport a pretty nice studded vest. However, the more compelling piece of this ludicrous theory is that the reason the Night King was able to zombify and then ride an ice dragon was due to the fact that the Night King and Damon both have magical blood. If Damon is the Night King, he not only has whatever White Walkers have in their blood, but he also has the Targaryen blood that has been so magical throughout the series. White Walker and Targaryen meet in one of the most absurd theories we've had yet. You know, we covered a similar one, right? And that Viserys was the Night King. This one is even more ludicrous. <laughs> I mean, it's not... 
it's it's even it's even more ridiculous. This theory is really bad because it's based on like hair, like as if like when they were casting the the White Walker King, they said, "Well, make sure he has long blonde hair so we can connect it to House of the Dragon." That we don't know it's in pilot. You know what I mean? Like, there's just right. no way. I do the thing I like the creative part of this theory that I enjoy even though I think it's hogwash is the fact that how did the night King ride a dragon and how was he able to command the dragon? Well, of course he's a Targaryen. He had Targaryen blood. <laughs> right. Well, I know we talked about that when we, when we did the, when we did the, when we did the Viserys. Well, look, it just makes it like, first of all, in the show, we see the guy <laughs> and we talked, we talked about the possibility of unreliable idiot. narrator. Right. And we <laughs> see the guy. It's like, we see it. And then, you know, it's just, uh, how could it possibly be, how could it possibly be Damon? Like, Blood Raven, to me, makes way more sense. Oh, right? without a doubt. Makes way, like, way more sense. But the Night King, like, the, so the children of the forest decide they want to turn him into an other. He doesn't even die anywhere close. Like, Well, the, you know, there's werewoods, maybe the children of the forest of the God's Eye, uh, you know, like God's Eye, I don't know, maybe, maybe. Probably not. I right? guess. I guess <laughs> it makes it in it, the idea that the Night King is Damon and like wanting revenge makes far more sense than Viserys. Oh, definitely. It just fits Damon's personality a little bit more. Well, another cool thing is like, I guess one of the symbols that you could take from this is like, if Damon is the Night King, it is him fulfilling the other side of the prophecy that his brother never told him. Like, there's some cool symbolism in that, right? Like oh, he yeah. is the opposing force. Um, he is so offended that he takes the other side. Right. I think that that's, a, that's kind of a neat way that you could tie it together. Uh, that was not in the theory that I found online. However, uh, you know, if I could help them out, I would probably throw that as a bullet point underneath uh, this outrageous theory. But yeah, I don't know. This one's pretty ridiculous. I guess in a way he does kind of, I'm, I'm pulling up pictures now. He does sort of look, I guess he does look a little, little like Damon. Damon looks a lot more like the White Walker. I think the one that Sam sees. Yes, and this I think is, it's, yeah. it's the one and the one that John fights. Yeah, this is the one that uh, the theory is actually referring to. Yeah, right, right, right. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I just don't know. I just, I, I, I mean, the answer I, is I, it's not true. That's the answer. <laughs> it's there's no yeah. way. You know, it's like here we tr we always try to make theories work. I always try to see it, but this one I'm just like, yeah. The, uh, could he be a White Walker? Yes, like one of the could, like head walkers that we saw. Yeah, I could potentially, I could in theory see that. Of course, that would mean Damon survives his battle with Aemond, goes to the God's Eye, and the Children of the Forest do something take him north some and turn him into a white walker just the night king himself it's just hard because the show showed them do something with him yeah <laughs> it also just makes zero sense it just yeah. makes, but that's it that's what these that's what these these deep deep theories are about if if it but wasn't you know what it wasn't for the last theory on this iceberg i would say it's the most unlikely Yes, but the but the next one, although, well, I don't know. This might be a little more to it. Let's dive in. All right. To round off this iceberg at the very tip 
of the bottom of this rabbit hole is our final theory. Buckle up. Laris did Summerhall. The tragedy at Summerhall was a fire at Summerhall, a pleasure castle of House Targaryen in the Dornish Marches in 259 AC. The conflagration caused the deaths of, among others, King Aegon V Targaryen, his eldest son, Prince Duncan Targaryen, the Sir Duncan the Tall, the Lord Commander of the Kingsguard. The cause of the fire is yet unknown, but was connected with King Aegon's desire to restore dragons to the Seven Kingdoms. The last years of his reign were consumed by a search for ancient lore about the dragon breeding of Valyria, and it is said that Aegon commissioned journeys to places as far away as the Shy with the hopes of finding texts and knowledge that had not been preserved in Westeros. In 259 AC, Aegon summoned many of those closest to him to Summerhall to celebrate the impending birth of his first great-grandchild to Ares and Raelia, the children of Aegon's heir, Prince Jaehaerys. Many died and fire destroyed the castle, leaving it a ruin. According to Barristan Selmy, sorcery was even involved. Now this is where it gets crazy. Tons of theories have sprouted from Summerhall's tragedy, but none more sensational than the theory that Larys Strong is responsible for the tragedy at Summerhall. The idea that Laris is a warg and using rats around the Red Keep has spiraled into people believing that he might also be connected to the Weirwood Network. By the end of the House of the Dragon television show, his signature murder plot for his own family using fire and then attempting a hit on Masaria by burning down her buildings are consistent with the fire tragedy at Summerhall. Could it be at the end of House of the Dragon, Laris? disdain for the Targaryens lead him to entering the Weirwoods network and being able to travel to the future in time. The opportune time to stop the Targaryens from returning to their pre-Dance of the Dragon power levels with big, youthful, capable dragons. <clears throat> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I was trying to find it uh, over over here because you know, when we first announced this one and we said it was the most ridiculous thing we'd ever heard, <laughs> I was like, I agree 100%. But the actor just spoke at that Game of Thrones convention, and I'm trying to find the quote, but he spoke a little bit about like Laris actually having magic, like one of the questions asked, and he kind of hinted to the possibility of it. Didn't flat out say it. Of course, then he went on a big rant about feet fetish, but um <laughs> So I'm not saying that Laris has any sort of magical abilities, but the actor has sort of alluded to the idea that he might. Now, does it have anything to do that he could participate in some event that takes place years later? There's I no mean, way. he would literally have to travel like decades, in centuries. Time. Yeah, in time to get to this point in history. And I just don't think so. I just, I don't see it. And also like, so we've seen the ability for Bran. And by the way, again, we didn't make this up. There are people online right. who believe this is a. a oh, there. Yeah, there's a the lot. This one's popular. Um, but, you know, we've we've seen Bran be able to like see back in history and kind of manipulate events like by whispering into the wind. This is straight up embodying. You know what I mean? Now, maybe Laris isn't. Maybe Laris ends up being blood raven. I don't I just don't see how it works. I mean, we're talking about time traveling with your body going in for like just because Summerhall is obviously tied to the Targaryens and it ends in fire. Someone was like, well, Laris used fire twice and he's around the Targaryens. 
maybe he takes Allison's pledge like all the way to the future. You know, it's just so outlandish. Maybe, maybe, maybe um, feet are his, uh, you know, he, he sees feet and that sort of awakens his magical abilities. And he's able to just walk his way into the future. Maybe. Well, if he can warg into rats, could he warg into something that could live long enough to cause him to be able to influence the events at Summerhall? Like a weirwood tree. Which, Perhaps. by the way, still doesn't make any sense because weirwoods don't grow indoors. <laughs> right. Could he... Now, see, the, he could have something to do with... See, this is weird. So Summerhall, I don't think so. I just don't see any way he's involved in Summerhall. <laughs> Heron Hall and its sort of curse and building and helping to absolutely because Heron Hall is completely a cursed location. Yeah. I mean, it is cursed and anything can happen. Absolutely. And he's one of the key contributors to something that happens there. He may reawaken evil spirits. Could those spirits then travel to Summer Hall? Again, guys, we're stretching it here. Okay. This is the deepest, darkest parts of the iceberg. I'm stre I'm stretched about. As far as it gets. I, I I just don't. There's no way. There's literally no way. And the fact that like someone like posted this online and then multiple people were like, you know what? <laughs> I'm in. Let me think about this for a second. What happens. To his foot. How does Do we know? Clubfoot? Do you think he tripped over the werewood branch? No, 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 no. <laughs> At the end. He's beheaded by Craig and Stark, but he right. asked for one thing, and that's his foot is cut off. That way he's like, although his head's cut off too, so I don't know, whatever. But he just wants his foot to be destroyed. Does it say what happens to it? I don't think it does. Did they feed it to one of the weirwood faces? This no, Allison... could, could could the bones of his foot have made it to Summerhall? <laughs> what? <laughs> I just <laughs> <laughs> Is there a curse that travels with his with his foot? The curse of the web code. We've, we've added a deeper portion of the ice ring. Laris's foot is responsible for summer hall. I'm gonna throw out I'm gonna throw out the, the I'm calling to the banners here. If you are listening and you have any idea how this could work, send us a raven. Send us a raven. Pl plug the e uh, email address, Matt, because I forget it right now. BTK, BTK cast at gmail.com. Hold on a second. Okay. Here we go. All right. It's from Fire and Blood. All right. And, and of course, the wiki. Says, um, Larissa Strong's corpse was given to the silent sister, and years later, his bones were taken to Harrenhal as his final resting place. Okay. Craig and Stark ordered that the removed foot be buried in a field but the limb disappeared before that could occur. As Laris was the last of his line, his death brought an end to how strong. Where's the foot, Matt? What if the foot was buried in the field where Summerhall is built? Oh, my God. Because I think Summerhall is pretty new, right? I'm going to go check it out. Yeah, well, it's, it's the pleasure paradise, right? Like, that's that's the whole idea. Right. Summerhall. I mean, look up when it's built. Pleasure. Founded in 188 AC, so it's founded so before no during house. Uh, no, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's like it's, 71 it's, years before 
um, right before it gets burned down. So it exists, but who knows where the foot go? Could it have been taken to Summerhall? Does Does anyone know where Laris's foot ended up? That seems significant. Also, what's the deal with the Silent Sisters? And they just what they just carry they just carry bones around Westeros because they have Ned Stark's bones. Yeah, and we don't know where they're at. In in a song of ice and fire, they have, they still have Ned Stark's bones. They're supposed to be taking them back to Winterfell. The Silent we... Sisters, also referred as the Strangers' Wives, Deaths, Handmaidens, and the Handmaidens of the Stranger, are an order of women belonging to the Faith of the Seven. They are sworn to the service of the Stranger and have taken vows of chastity and silence. The Silent Sisters attend to the dead. They are not to be confused with Septas. Hmm. Yeah doesn't give us much does it it does not but um it's all interesting well that is the end of our iceberg jimmy three-parter four tiers three parts we did it are there even deeper darker parts to this iceberg that will occur in the off season as we yes. go into house of the dragon yes. yes house of the dragon season two there's been interviews um there actually was an interview uh with laris the actor who plays Laris and he talked about his sort of foot fetish with Alyssa and why he's doing it. And it sort of goes back to what we were talking about with control and things like that. But I think we'll get more info um, about it. And they are, uh, as of our recording, I think they're casting. They're supposed to be done casting about, I think by the end of the new year. So, and production supposed to start early 2023, which I, th I think I'm going to release this on new year's uh, day. So yeah interesting yeah, a lot of good stuff came out of this first season i mean a lot of crazy so, stuff so let's let's just look back at the iceberg here which two of course you could pick one from tier one or something like that but which which theory was your was your favorite or the one you sound, found the most intriguing it doesn't necessarily have to be the one that you believe most but the one that you, you sort of just wow really caused you to think wonder um, so I really like Viserys dreaming the dinner scene in episode eight because I think that that would be a really creative way of using perspective. Like, I think that's just a really fascinating uh, device to use as a storyteller. I think that that would be awesome if it were true. Um, other than that, I, I mean, I like Danny not bringing a King's Landing just because it's hilariously offensive. Um, <laughs> I'm going to like it's so it made, uh, it makes a lot of people upset and i think that it it's slightly funny uh i think honestly damon being blood raven is definitely one that i i don't necessarily think is going to come true but i like it yeah um mine is similar i think the one i really like amond is the father of the children mm -hmm. just because it really add, would add a lot of significance to basically house of the dragons red wedding scene yeah, which in all honesty, the way that I think that I think they could make it even more to me, it's even more heartbreaking than the Red Wedding. It's serious. It, blood it's and cheese. Bad, right? are, and of course, we're in complete spoiler territory here, which we've said at the beginning of the show, especially because of the, now that we've seen Helena Targaryen and she's sort of so sweet and so nice, mm -hmm. it makes it just would it's going to it's going to make that scene even more sort of heartbreaking because now it'll feel like. It was Eamon's fault, and it could be really the thing because Eamon, I think, still has the sort of love of Damon or something, or he sort of admires him. And yeah. this could be the thing that pushes them over the edge, which could make their final battle great and be another thing that's 
will begin to rip Damon and Rhaenyra apart. Yeah. Because Rhaenyra, this doesn't seem like something she's going to want to do. And Damon seems like he's just going to do it without her consent. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be brutal. And I do think that because the characters are more fleshed out in the show than they are in Fire and Blood, that it's going to have even more impact. Like reading in Fire and Blood, you're like, that's crazy. And it right. is tense enough in the book to where, like, I think I, I, I mean, I had an emotional reaction to it as a very visceral reaction because it is just a tragic thing to go through at, uh, for anybody but now that the characters have a lot more behind them it's going to be really emotional for a national audience i think so if you throw this on top of it it, it makes right. it even more dramatic and i and we've talked about how they're going to do it and I, I i still say the way i would do it is i would sort of do like a the camera facing helena's like helena's eyes yeah. Right. And you say and you just makes it even more gut wrenching. I think I think it will be more impactful than the Red Wedding, because the Red Wedding was really just all of our favorite characters died. And you're just like, what? And it's like a huge shift. But it was like, you know, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. This is just like downright evil. Yeah, it's I mean, pretty, there's just there's just no way around it. Yeah, it's it's pretty ruthless. I think the, the Red Wedding is very iconic because. Uh, you really hadn't seen anything happen in the fantasy genre to that level. And you could even point to television. Like if we go into television, like away from the book in television, not many shows, if any, at that point had killed off like, you know, a third, almost like 40% right. of their cast. I mean, it was, it was crazy. I mean, for, for the main characters. Um, so I do think like the red wedding stays extremely notable for its place in history especially in uh, in the fantasy genre and books. But uh, this you don't see coming because it's just it's just uh, diabolical. There's not yeah. there. You know, Rob makes a lot of really bad mistakes. And when you look at the way it all turns out, you you can see how it got there. But with blood and cheese, it's just one mishap after the next in House of the Dragon of miscommunications and people saying the wrong thing at the wrong time or being too proud. And then this is like an escalation Rather than like in the Red Wedding, where it's actually almost a de-escalation because it ends the war, right? This right. actually makes the war worse in House of the right. Dragon. So it, it's interesting because they're really pivotal moments in A Song of Ice and Fire lore, but they actually are kind of polar opposites in what they uh, what happens after. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be huge. So the other one I sort of had that I find really interesting was Bran is watching through the Weirwoods. Yeah, and. It's just because whether the real thing is if Bran actually does something to influence mm -hmm. an event. Like even you go back to the scene of the Tower of Joy where Ned Stark sort of turns as if he heard something. Like even something yeah. that small means Bran still influenced it. Yeah, it does. You know, somehow. The dagger, I, I, here's my theory, is that the dagger ending up in the main show will be a result of an action that Bran influences. Right. That's my guess. And I don't know if it's going to necessarily be the brand actor popping out and going, hey, <laughs> you know, put right, that in the yeah. over there. I think it might but be as simple this, as like, little, You see this like wheelchair like <laughs> pop out over the back and like roll like, back. God damn, they didn't have ramps back now, back then? What the hell? Uh, so <laughs> He's just stuck on the steps. Just <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think it'll probably be something a little bit less than that. It'll be a whisper, like you said, or, or some sort of sign message in the fire right before Mil uh, Allison becomes Melisandre. Uh, 
<laughs> but right. I, I, I do think that there has to be some connection. The Werewoods aren't even supposed to be in King's Landing. Like that, that doesn't make sense for the book canon. So the fact that they were placed there, it could just be a prop, but it is on that so many pivotal conversations happen right in front of the Werewoods. They're within the shot. It feels like the Werewood is going to have some sort of connection with, you know, Blood Raven looking back or Bran or somebody. I don't know if they'll have an on-screen appearance per se, but I do think that the werewoods matter. I hope they yes. matter, actually. Yes, I do. I do as well. So awesome. All right, guys. Well, with that, thank you guys for hanging out and doing all this big iceberg uh, madness. theories, uh, madness with this. Yeah. So I'm going to put all these together into a bit. So to be part three, as well as another podcast where you can listen to just the whole thing. Uh, if you want to go back through and dive into that. And then obviously now we're beginning the new year. We're going to be diving back into a storm of swords. And we've got some other fun things coming as well. Have some guests we're going to be bringing back on a lot of fun and have a ton of Ravens. You guys have been sending us a huge amount of Ravens. Really appreciate it. It is so much fun to keep diving into all of those. So with that, as always, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And remember that winter is coming. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.